You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now... Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about Christian Zionism and the need to challenge it. We're seeing some cracks in the Christian Zionist armor. And for those people that really are not familiar with what Christian Zionism is exactly, we want to talk about that just a, a little bit. And then we're going to be talking about two upcoming vigils. And this is going to be a milestone for We Hold These Truths in that we're going to be doing two vigils on the same day, one in Denver, Colorado, and the other one in Sacramento. And these are at both very large Christian Zionist events, KUFI, Christians United for Israel. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the idea of Christian Zionism Really, when anybody looks at or thinks about it, Christian and Zionism, that constitutes an oxymoron. They just don't fit together. Zionism was a political derivation of the 19th century. And to help us understand this, I want to quote from a piece found in Chosen People Ministries. Now, this is a Jewish ministry of Messianic Jews who become followers of Jesus. So they tell us, and this was an article that appeared in their email June 15th of this year, 2015, and it's entitled Jewish and Zionist and Enduring Partnership. Quote, the relationship of Jewish and Christian Zionists predates even the first Zionist Congress held in Basel, Switzerland in 1897. It was given a tremendous boost by the unlikely friendship between Theodore Herzl and William Heckler, a chaplain to the British Embassy in Vienna and author of the Restoration of the Jews to Palestine According to Prophecy. That was written in 1882. Heckler, a devout Christian, was born in India, the son of a missionary, Heckler's relationship with influential politicians were extensive. In March of 1896, convinced that his unique network of contacts had groomed him for just such a moment, Heckler paid Herschel a visit and placed himself at the disposal of the somewhat astounded Zionist leader. Heckler became an active emissary on Herschel's behalf. In the brief time that they knew each other, owing to Herzl's early death, Heckler and Herzl developed a genuine friendship. Not only did Herzl extend Heckler the courtesy of allowing him to address the Zionist Congress, but apart from family members, Heckler was the last person to visit Herzl at his deathbed. In the United States, the formation of the Zionist organization in 1897 was followed closely by the creation of the Federation of American Zionists, renamed Zionist Organization of America in 1917. 
the Zionist cause gained much needed additional influence in America as a political force, largely through the efforts of William Blackstone, 1841 to 1935, an energetic missionary who in the 1880s had helped to establish Chicago's Moody Bible Institute. Blackstone was also known as the creator of two widely circulated petitions known as memorials in support of a Jewish homeland in what was then known as Palestine. The first in 1891 had been presented to President Benjamin Harrison, and the second in 1916 reached the desk of President Woodrow Wilson. In a letter penned May 8, 1916, by the widely respected philanthropist Nathan Strauss, founder of R.H. Macy Department Store, Strauss forwarded the profuse thanks of Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis, one of the most important leaders in the Zionist movement in America, unquote. And so we've noted in our award-winning documentary, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy in Turning, that Christian Zionism is a promoted religion. And so this actually adds some additional information some background to Christian Zionism. Now, the term Christian Zionism has only been around for less than 20 years, I would guess. It's probably only been used in the last 10 years. Chuck? People have to realize that in 1895, there was no state of Israel. There was no slaughter of the Palestinians. And the whole idea of Zionism was supposedly a refuge for persecuted and underprivileged Jews scattered around the world who were repressed, or thought to be repressed. This is what Theodore Herzl thought. And uh, all of these people that picked up on this idea had really a cog-eyed idea because they had no, they had no way of knowing that uh, once this state was created, it was going to become the most militant, violent, and vicious abuser of human rights on the face of the earth. So maybe William Blackstone and some of these other early Christians who thought they were Zionists, sympathy with persecuted Jews, I guess. That was what Herzl talked about all the time, was the poor, cart-pushing Jews who were relegated to bad positions in society. He really wasn't talking about the wealthy Rothschilds of their day, who actually were very close to controlling the Bank of England at that time. So it's very confusing to hear these guys talk about Zionism being a, a religion that was founded on godly principles, it didn't turn out that way at all. So the idea of Christian Zionism is, as you said, an oxymoron, because since Zionism is a political activity that involves captured land, occupation, and the violence and force and militarism, there isn't much place for that in Christianity. And so these people who call themselves Christian Zionists today, like the ones we're going to be visiting at these two churches, they've forgotten all about these godly precepts of a Jewish homeland, and uh, they've gone on to uh, be uh, violent militarists, Tom. And so it's totally unthinkable that someone today would call themselves a Christian Zionist, and yet they do. And so one must conclude that a Christian Zionist is not a Christian at all. He's someone who has abandoned Christianity and taken up the militancy of Zionism. I think it's dangerous to to say that they're they're not Christians. I would tend to argue that I, I understand the the Christian Zionist position. They're seeing it 
as a, a biblical issue, just as uh, God used the nations around Israel back in the Old Testament, and that Christians need to look at uh, the, the total scriptures, and they see the hand of God on the nation of Israel, you know, which was a nation, but the kingdom of uh, David and all those things back in the Old Testament, and they take a misreading of scripture and project that into the 21st century. The key word, I think, is, uh, is called equivocation. It's taking something in the Old Testament and equivocating it and making it the, the modern day equal to what was back then. And they, they attack this with a re religious fervor. And I heard a statement at a church I used to go to that we don't support the uprooting of olive trees. We don't support the devastation of, of homes and uh, stealing of land and so forth. But... Uh, God will judge Israel for her sins. Our job as Christians is to, is to support Israel. And they believe that with uh, complete religious fervor. They, can, they believe that, that that is their mandate from Scripture. And as we've talked about before, a lot of that comes from the Schofield Reference Bible and the whole basis of the theological basis of premillennial dispensationalism. So they love the Lord, but their interpretation of Scripture is so jaded and it's so convoluted that they see that they're doing God's will by supporting this uh, ungodly secular state of Israel. So I would not say that they're, they're not Christians in any way, shape, or form, but I would say they are misguided in their understanding. Well, how about, Craig, uh, the leaders, uh, though, the ones that, that we uh, are talking about who go to the churches and carry out functions like Christians United for Israel, do you still think that John Hagee is a Christ follower, or has he lost that along the way? I'm speaking, of course, of the leaders and not the misguided people inside the church. Right. Uh, the interesting thing about deception is that you don't know you're deceived. And I would say he's very deceived in his understanding. I don't know his, uh, his spiritual well-being. I, I can't only God, God knows that. Definitely misguided. He's got some great incentives to keep going the way he's going because as a, a, a political arm, of lobbying for the uh, nation of Israel, Hagee has got some really uh, good bennies, you know, from doing that. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't say where his heart's at. I just know I would love to sit down with him and 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 talk to him and say, you know, can you really see Jesus doing the things that you're supporting this nation that does? To me, it's, that that is irrefutable evidence that this is not a godly Christian organization when you support that kind of terror on fellow citizens and fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. Craig, you've attended a number of Christian Zionist meetings, and so have I. When these leaders get up and make these presentations, which they call Christian Zionism, do they ever include Jesus in their message? Or is Jesus no. left outside the door? He's left outside the door because with his dual covenant theology, the Jews get a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card because in their theology, there's going to be like two-thirds of them wiped out during the tribulation or something like that. Then the remnant is going to turn to Jesus, and it's, it's a really convoluted theology. But Jesus is only mentioned in Jesus' name, amen. That is about the only time you'll hear, hear the name of Jesus, lest they offend any of their the Jewish friends that show up to these meetings. Craig, you've had success with actually meeting and talking to people, pastors, and, and individuals who are in these Christian Zionist meetings. Would you share some of that with us? Yeah, the only ones that have really approached me and have an understanding 
are, are secondary figures. I've never had an opportunity to talk to any of the senior pastors or um, anybody any any position other than uh, kind of a, a secondary role in the congregation. Those people that I've talked to get it. They understand that this is not Jesus, that they, they understand completely that this doesn't represent the basic tenets of Christianity, doesn't represent uh, who Jesus is, and and so they get that. Why that can't get uh, moved upstream to the, the leaders, I don't understand. I do know that in uh, a Zionist church that I attended, it's like a house of cards. They can't even discuss it in a non-emotional, factual way because this whole house that they've built up is predicated on this premillennial dispensation. And if you start poking at some of the bases of, of this stuff, the whole house of cards comes down, and they know that, and they, they can't embrace that because it's, it's what do you call it, cognitive dissonance. They, they just can't put this together and because uh, it, it threatens everything they stand for. So that's where I see the problem. Well, I see the same thing, and we, of course, have success talking to individuals that uh, go into these churches and we get a chance to talk to them. And that's what we, that's why we go to these churches is to try to talk to people who can be changed. And uh, we found that uh, the younger they are, the, the easier they are to talk to. What would you say to this pastor who says, we realize that we're not in favor of uh, tearing down the olive trees of the Palestinians. We're not in favor of killing them or any of the things that happen. But God is going to judge them, and it's our job to back Israel. How scripturally would you respond to that pastor if he was in front of you and said that? What I would say is show me in scripture where it justifies supporting evil. Show me in in Jesus' teachings where it's okay to support evil. Because is it evil to steal people's property? Yes. Is it evil to murder people? Yes. You know, would Jesus do either of those or any of that? No. Well, you show me why it's okay to support people. I can understand not attacking Israel and say, well, okay, let God deal with it. But supporting them, that's going a step beyond just a neutral position. They're not taking a neutral position. They're taking a proactive position to help the nation state of Israel do the nasty deeds as it does. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, now we're going to two different churches. You're leading one and I'm leading the other. Tom, maybe it's time we talk about that. Yes, we've probably conducted, I've now probably over 25 of these vigils at Christians United for Israel events, well over 100 vigils at a wide variety of Christian Zionist churches all around the country. And so they do recognize that we are there, and we've even seen cases where they've actually talked ill of us which we would expect on the inside. And uh, so we know that there is some effectiveness in, to what we're doing. And the idea, of course, is to open up the few that are willing to look or even ask the question, why are these people holding up a sign that says, choose life, not war? Blessed are the peacemakers. Who would Jesus bomb? So these simple types of challenges, if you will, these signs that we carry, do pick the interests of of the younger crowd and uh, the younger generation are uh, willing to see this because what we have, of course, is a, a large amount of deception where the leaders at the top are deceiving 
many, many millions of uh, American Christians, and most of them don't even know they are Christian Zionists. So it's it's a very slow process to challenge these, but we feel it's a very necessary thing to at least let them know that there is someone in a, a group and groups, and there are other people that are challenging Christian Zionism through the example of books. We just had a recently here a discussion with Dr. Rob Dalrymple and his new book, These Brothers of Mine, A Theological Analysis of Christian Zionism. So there are some now powerful weapons, if you will, that exposing the fallacies of Christian Zionism and its theology. All right, maybe Craig could tell us what the church he's going to lead to, and then I'll talk about the one I'm going to. First, I'd like to say that I became aware of Christian Zionism through an odd debate with a premillennial dispensational teacher coming to a church, and I wanted to do some research on him. And one thing led to another, and I found out about Christian Zionism because I hadn't even heard the term, and I typed it into Google, and one of the things that popped right to the top is we hold these truths. And I go, oh, I wonder what that's about. So I clicked on the website. One thing led to another. I had a conversation with Chuck, and I was out in the backyard talking to Chuck. I think it was April, but I can't remember what year it was, Chuck. Yeah, it's been history because it opened my eyes. And so I'd like to address the whole point to me is education. Because, frankly, most of the people sitting in the pews or, or seats or stadiums, wherever it is these days, don't have an understanding. Their concept of Israel and Zionism and Christians, all of that, you know, they've, they've seen the movie Left Behind, so they have a complete understanding of all the issues. And, you know, they've, that's about the extent of what they understand. It's, they're fed that from the pulpit. They see the politicians standing up there, like all the Republican candidates standing up there saying, you know, we're going to support our allies. And the first one they mentioned is Israel. And Carly Fiorina says the first call she's going to make is to TV Netanyahu. They think that that's, that's just the way it is. That's Christianity and that's Christian support. So what the church that we're going to be going to, I'm going to be going to in Sacramento, a capital Christian center, it's huge. I think it's the largest church in Northern California. And looking at their website and reading their materials, it's very touchy-feely. It's what can Jesus do for me kind of church. It's not what is my responsibility to a holy and righteous God and what does he require of me. It's what, what can God do for me to make my life better. So that message works really well for making a, a mega church. And so uh, they're bringing in quite a group, Kufias, uh, for this meeting. Eric Stickleback from Christian Broadcasting Network, Domasani Washington to lead music. They've got a, a national director of Kufi on campus and a couple of rabbis, and plus a, a, a singing a singing group, um, a Zionist singing group are coming in there. So it's, it's going to be a big deal. This is a night to honor Israel, whereas this is Christian support, unconditional support, just like God's covenants are unconditional in support of Israel, so too is the Christian support unconditional. And that's where the unconditional comes in. If they don't look at the scriptures, they don't look at the words forever, they don't try to exegete those words properly, just like I, I use the example when they say, well, God's covenant was forever. Well, I, they say, well, that's the same word when Jonah uh, was in the fish uh, forever. Well, is Jonah still in the belly of the fish? Well, no, he's not. But that's the same word they apply to uh, God's covenant. And so, so many uh, clear scripture references that God's covenant was conditional. In Deuteronomy 28, if you do this, I will do that. If you don't obey me, 
and these bad things are going to happen. You're going to be kicked out of the land that I promised you. And the land promises were fulfilled. Joshua says, God has fulfilled all the promises he made to Abraham. He says that way back early on. So all these scriptures have to be taken out of context, turned into a pretext for this uh, Christian Zionism uh, message. So anyway, back to the church we're going to be at. It's going to be a huge church. I expect a really good turnout. I would guess, I think it probably holds three to 4,000 people. So if we saw less than 500 people there, I'd be totally surprised. I think it's going to be uh, quite a big group you know, coming uh, to see this Kufi event. Very good. Okay, and then uh, Chuck will be leading a vigil at the Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada, Colorado, where we've had a, at least, I think, three vigils there uh, at Christians United for Israel events, and they've got another powerhouse speaker there. Chuck? Yes, this is an all-day event. They call it Israel Awareness Day, and then they're also conducting a night to honor Israel in the evening. We don't know what they're going to be doing at the daytime services, but essentially everything that goes on in that church during that day from, from, uh, from the 10 o'clock service on is going to be wrapped up around Israel, and you can bet that there will be nothing at all uh, about Jesus taught there unless, of course, uh, our letters to them hit a nerve and they decide they better um, have a little aside and make a few, uh, go out of their way to mention Jesus a few times because we have written to the entire pastoral staff there. And I, I guess uh, the reason I'm a little more hard on these leaders, these hardline leaders like uh, Pastor George Morrison, is that we've written to him numerous times. We've tried to talk to him many, many times. And uh, we've been to this church, I believe, four times. And he is just as hardened toward us and toward the Palestinian people, uh, unrecognizing of, of what's happened to them as he ever was, as he was five years ago when there were 10,000 of them that hadn't been killed yet, roughly. So George Morrison is on the board of directors of Christians United for Israel. And uh, it's, this is a full-time effort to convince people, essentially, that following Israel is part of their Christian duty. And uh, so that's why I look on this so harshly from, from some of these leaders. Chuck, I think you should mention, too, that our that church there in Arvada actually sponsors a Jewish settlement of the occupied land. I mean, this is, this is going beyond just sending a, a contribution to uh, Kufi. I mean, this, this is actually sponsoring a Jewish settlement in the occupied territory. Thank, thank you for that interjection, Craig. And this is one of not too many churches that actually do that. Uh, and the, the church is located in Arvada, Colorado. Uh, it, it is a huge church. And this is a unique place because we will actually get a chance to talk to people going in out of the church. About half the people that go to this program will actually park uh, right across a public street from the west entrance of this church. And because of the unique nature of the way the streets are set up, we actually have public access to people coming and going from this service. So we go, actually go early, and we take literature with us, and we go with the idea of trying to talk to these people. We try especially to talk to the young people and ask them to think about the idea that Jesus is not going to be in this service and ask themselves, why wasn't Jesus here? when they go in. So this is an effort then to get through to the, to the members who come. Usually when we go to churches, and I think in the case of uh, the one in, in California, 
it's pretty much a drive-by situation and we depend upon large signs. And then the very few occasional people are so rewarding that actually do come out and talk to you on their own time. And that is always the thing that makes a day, isn't it, Craig? It sure is, Chuck. And it's especially those that have an understanding and can, can talk reasonably and non-emotionally and just look at the scriptures, look at what Jesus taught. How does this represent Jesus? That's my main theme. I mean, we call ourselves Christians. Christians were called, uh, 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 how do you say, first called Christians in Antioch, uh, little, little Christ. We become the disciples of Christ. We represent him. We are his body to the world. And if we can see Jesus as physically being here, murdering people, stealing land, doing all this kind of stuff, most people, when you present it that way, they go, of course not. He wouldn't do it. Well, you show me in Scripture where we as Christians are to support that kind of action. And that's where it gets through, the people that are willing to listen. If their ears are closed, nothing you can say is going to get through to them. And they usually go to an ad hominem debate. You usually throw out the words, well, you're just an anti-Semite. You're just a Jew hater. Uh, you're just this, this, or that, something else. And, and use the ad hominem attack because they, uh, they can't go after the message at all. Well, uh, listeners, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're available on Sunday, October 11th, either in uh, Sacramento, right, uh, or in Denver, Colorado, or anywhere near there, and you can get there, believe me, you'll get an education from this. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. You'll feel good afterwards. And uh, you'll learn uh, a lot about what the grassroots movement is, where the grassroots movement is coming from that's actually fostering not just the problems we have in Israel, but the entire mess in the Middle East and all of the wars we've had and all of the wars we're going to have if we don't do something about it. So this is a movement to educate Christian people, but it's also a movement for peace. And uh, the bottom line objective is to change enough of these, let's call them influenced Christians who are being used so that we actually can change the way America acts toward making war on and supporting wars in the Middle East. All right. Well, thank you so much, Craig and Chuck, for that report. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not near these cities and you hear this after we've had the vigil there, well, and if you think this is something you'd like to do in your local area, contact us at whtt.org, and we'll be willing to help you. Goofy has events like these all over the country. They've literally had several thousand of these in the last 10 years that they've been in existence. So there are opportunities just like these two that are coming up, and we need to continue to to challenge the uh, concept of Christian Zionism so that people understand really what it is that they're being sold. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.